0: Um, So the first point that we see is that Jesus, when he's teaching on the Sermon on the Mount on fasting, he uses this phrase, and when you fast, but when you fast. And there's almost like this assumption that, you know, his disciples, people who listen to him, are going to be fasting. So just one good reason why we should even think about fasting, why we should consider it, is for the sake of obedience. Jesus talks, or he assumes that his disciples will be fasting. Aikman, can you read the next quote? By Edward Farrell. Um, almost everywhere at all times, fasting has held a place of great importance and is closely linked to intense sense of religion. Perhaps this is a explanation of the demise of fasting in our day. In the sense of God delishes, fasting disappears. And Wilbur, just uh, finish it up.
1: If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, is it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have so long at the, table of the Your soul is stuck with small things, and there is no
0: room So the first reason we said why we should think about fasting is for the sake of obedience. And the second reason I want to propose to you is so that we can increase in our knowledge and our love for God. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I remember I was talking to one brother, and he was saying how, like, man, I remember, like, a couple years ago when I went to this conference, and I was just like so excited, so passionate, so hungry, so zealous for God. And like now, a few 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 years later, for some reason, all that like passion or that zeal that once was there is diminished. And he doesn't know what he can do. Like, you know, does he what should he do about it? And so I wanna say that like John Piper and Edward Farrell they talk they both link fasting, this like discipline of fasting as a source of um I don't know, loving God more, uh, of, not, of not being satisfied with the, the petty things of this world, but having great desires for God. And so we'll talk more about that. But fasting, really quick, second point, what is fasting? A simple definition of fasting is the act of going without food or drink voluntarily, generally for religious purposes. And so, uh, just a little bit of trivia, have you guys ever heard of the word breakfast? So breakfast comes from the word, Break fast, and so at night when you're sleeping, you're like fasting. And so in the morning when you eat breakfast, you're breaking the fast. And so if anybody asks you, do you guys fast? I just say like, yeah, I fast every day. <laughs> I'm very religious. I'm a <laughs> I'm a very spiritual person. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so fasting uh, is the act of going without, you know, those things. But it doesn't have to be limited to food um, or drink. It can be li- it can be extended to like TV or internet. Or video games, uh, right? Arnold, can you read the First Corinthians passage?
1: The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not attempt you because of your lack of self control.
0: So, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he's saying that you can even fast sex um, only if you're married, right? If you're not married, then you shouldn't be yeah, so, so.
2: okay anyway, but
0: even fast even sex can be fasted like legitimate pleasures these gifts that God has given to us, we can fast it says you know for this don't just fast it, but devote yourselves to prayer right and so any questions about this first page fasting or about why we might want to consider it all right let's move on, so we're gonna talk about like this. Biblical theology of fasting. Like, and so we'll start with the fasting in the Old Testament. And so there's lots of reasons why people fasted in the Old Testament. But the two, two main reasons, at least from what I saw, is number one. To humble or afflict the soul and to express sorrow for sin. Marshall, can you read a passage in Deuteronomy? And I looked, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had made yourselves... A golden calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way that the Lord had commanded you. So I took hold of the two tablets and threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. There I lay prostrate before the Lord as before. Forty days and forty nights. I, ne- I
1: neither ate bread nor drank water because of all the sin that you had committed in doing
0: what was evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Very cool, thank you. Um, so this is Moses, he's talking. About, he's recounting this time when he came down right from the, temp, uh, from the mountain and he sees everybody, he see, destroys the Ten Commandments. And then he talks about how he goes back before the Lord and he fasts. He intercedes for the people of Israel. He's expressing sorrow for sin, he's humbling himself. Uh, we're just going to run through this so we can focus more on the New Testament. But the second main reason is to seek God's face or to... Incur his favor for deliverance. Tony, can I ask you to read Judges? Okay. Then all the people of Israel, the whole army, went up and came to Bethel and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. We haven't gotten to, to this place in our small groups yet, but it's coming. But this is happen. This happens when Israel is going and fighting against the tribe of Benjamin. They're like trying to kill them, and then. God keeps, like, saying, okay, go, and then they die, and then God says go, and then they die. Anyway, so they weep, and they fast, and they're, like, praying to God and offering these off- um, burnt offerings, um, and then God delivers them the next day. Uh, so it's really cool. <laughs> and Pearl, can I ask you to read the passage from Ezra? <clears throat> then I, I claims to
2: God there at the river Ahabah, that we might humble ourselves before God. To seek, him, to seek him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way, since we had told the king, the hands of our God is for good, for good on all who seek him, and the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our ent- 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 entreaty.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce some of those words either. Um, But yes, another example of God delivering his people through fasting or once they come to fasting. There's lots of examples in Jonah or Esther, but you guys can read that on your own. Um, So point number two, in the Old Testament, the prophets also talk to the people of Israel about some of their some of the dangers of fasting or like warning against fasting um, lest that it becomes ritualistic or that they fast without repentance um, fasting without well, well <coughs> Yvonne can I ask you to read a passage from Isaiah
2: why have we fasted and you see it not we have why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high.
0: Right, so fasting, is not like you can, like, fast and, like, hit people and quarrel and then God is like, oh, I love this guy. Right, like, it requires some sense of, like, repentance, some sense of sorrow uh, for your sins and... Um, You know, actually seeking God's face and not just, you know, to be heard by God. Alright. Any questions about the Old Testament fasting? Sweet. Okay, we're going to focus most of our time right here in the New Testament. So, we've been talking about, like, fasting. But fasting is something that happens, like, across all religions. You know, like, people do it, like, for dietary reasons. People, like, you know, everybody does it. So, what makes fasting Christian is, is... is it? Should we even do it, or are we just like following the, I don't know, spirit of the world or something? So let's look at what Jesus has to say about fasting. Ben, you want to read that long passage on Matt Matthew? Um, then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the
1: Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them. Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither a new wine put into old wineskins, if it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed the new wine is put into fresh wine skins and so they are preserved. so
0: they so both are preserved thank you all right so you guys know what's happening right like these these religious pharisees and John, disciples of John are coming to Jesus they're like hey we've been fasting how come you guys don't fast and Jesus says some really interesting things but let's so we're going to break this down to, into a couple points but the first point is that the disciples of John and the Pharisees were Fasting under this old wineskin, right, that Jesus refers to, like old wineskin or this old cloth that will tear or burst. Um, it will make things worse if they do it. So, what is this talking about? Um, wait, you want to read Luke 18? Yes. <clears throat> the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast fast twice a week. I give time of all I get. Okay, great. So fasting in the old system of Jewish, uh, in the old wineskin or under the old covenant was entirely appropriate, right? It wasn't just like, even though we have like a poor example over here, it wasn't just the Pharisees who fasted out of like uh, religiosity or self-righteousness, but even the disciples of John were fasting, right? So this is something that was part of like the Jewish system of relating to God. Um, and additionally, like, we, we've been talking about how fasting is um, is analogous to mourning or, like, longing or um, just, like, sorrow. And right now, in this time, uh, Israel is under the control of Romans. They're under Roman oppression. And so Israel had a reason to weep and a reason to mourn and a reason to uh, ask God to come and rescue them. Uh, and so again, this old wineskin or this old paradigm um, is... Is the way that they have been approaching it. Any questions about that? The old covenant. Does that make sense? Pastor Michael always says that. Does that make sense? Uh, so I'm trying to use that phrase. There we Yeah, you can't Okay. So, uh, so Jesus says, you know, that they have been fasting. But in the next, in the next point, Jesus says the bridegroom is here, and while the bridegroom is here, you guys, it, you guys can't fast. It's, it's, there's something unique about this period. Uh Clarence, you want to read Ezekiel 16:8? Uh, behold.
1: You were at the age for love, and I spread the of my over you and covered your nakedness. I made my to you and into a covenant with you,
0: So throughout the Old Testament there's this rich language of G- of God uh, Referring to himself as this, like the husband of the people of Israel, this language of how God is like this uh, person who's going to come and and rescue them, c- come and betroth Israel to Himself. And so Jesus, when he comes on the scene and he says the bridegroom is here, the, the, there is no time to mourn, there is no time to fast. He's he's saying something really significant. He's saying so, that he is himself is this bridegroom, that he is like this God who. Was supposed to come. And so this long-awaited bridegroom, the people, uh, this person that uh, has been promised for centuries, for thousands of years, this uh, figure that um, Israel has been waiting for and longing for and dreaming about, um, is finally here. And so Jesus is saying that it's, it's too happy, the, the place is it's too like, exhilarating for people to be fasting. We have to rejoice. And so Jesus says, right now it's not appropriate to be fasting. Any thoughts or questions about that? No? I'm I'm just really good at teaching. No, <laughs> you guys.
2: It's interesting though because Christ fasted, so there's an interesting twist there because he was seeking the Father's sins.
0: Right. Um. Without going into too much detail, I think that there was something about how like. Because Moses fasted and the people of Israel fasted and the prophets were fasting, Jesus was identifying with them. And he was like the true and better, like Moses or the true and better Israel who, like, fasted without grumbling, like the people of Israel in the desert. And he was like, I don't know, um, taking on that role in some sense. And so, definitely, um, that before he begins his ministry, he makes those identifications. But, like, towards, I don't know, chapter 9 of Matthew, it seems that. Um, it seems now that the now the kingdom is here, and now it was like no more time to mourn and stuff like that. But yeah, that's a great point. Um, and we, yeah, we'll yeah. great. <laughs> okay. Thanks for that curveball. Um, yes, and then now, so Jesus says, now is not the time to fast, but there will come a time the bridegroom will be taken away, and then they will fast. Uh, and then they will fast. So, let's see. So does that imply then, when Jesus
1: comes again, no more fasting?
0: When Jesus comes again, there will be no... Yes. Just feasting. Just feasting, because... Because Jesus is... The, the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, was, I wasn't sure if that's a good trick question. So yes, um, when, when Jesus comes, like, we will, all, like... Under, like we will like consummate like the fullness of our relationship with God, like all of our longings and desires, like all of the pain and the sorrow will be wiped away. All the tears will be, you know, wiped away, and all the anyway. Um, and so there will be no reason to fast. We will like just like be longing for Him, and then I guess at that point we'll be fasting from sex. But you know that's something apart, right? But like because <laughs> anyway, um, and then they will fast. Yeah. Um,
2: so,
1: how, how is um, Christian fasting the same and how is it different than Old
0: Testament fasting? Yes. Um, so, again... So
1: is, it, is it basically exactly the same? Because we are longing for Jesus.
0: So, we're, we're going we're gonna to oh, talk about know? that right oh, now. Okay. And then they will fast, right? And so, Jesus is saying something about, like, there was a way of fasting in the old wineskin that was inappropriate to fast. And then there's something about something new, something, a new wineskin, a new way of fasting. And so the new, the untrunk cloth or the new wine represents the new reality that has come with Jesus. That when Jesus came, when he arrived, the kingdom of God has come. And so what separates Judaism, right, the old way versus Christianity is that Jews, they were looking to like the future. They were looking for the Messiah to come. They were like longing and mourning and waiting and hoping for him to come and to rescue them. But Christians, we we don't look only to the future. We look to the past cuz in the past on the cross uh, in the resurrection, that's where we see salvation. That's where we see the the decisive triumph of the Messiah. And so we don't we're not like just longing for something in the future, but we're like looking to the past and that's where we get our hope from. That's where we get all of our um yeah, like delight and contentment from because as we reflect and think about um, this this figure that has come and so uh, so the way we fast now Jesus says and then they will fast it's not about like it's not about like fasting in the old way but there's like a new way of fasting that we'll talk about but really quick does that touch upon okay so um, so we no longer fast from a place of emptiness and mourning and like hopelessness but we fast from a a newer place. And, you know, John Piper is a lot smarter than I am. So I'm just going to read a paragraph from uh, his book about this new type of fasting. We have tasted the powers of the age to come, and our fasting is not because we are hungry for something we have not experienced, but because the new wine of Christ's presence is so real and so satisfying. We must have all that it is possible to have, the newness of our fasting is this. Its intensity comes not because we have never tasted the wine of Christ's presence, but because we have tasted it so wonderfully by His Spirit and cannot now be satisfied until the consummation of joy arrives. The new fasting, the Christian fasting, is a hunger for all the fullness of God, aroused by the aroma of Jesus' love and by the taste of God's goodness in the Gospel of Christ. So with John Piper and, you know, this text is, what Jesus is saying is that we don't fast um, out of a place of emptiness and mourning, but we fast because we are longing for Jesus. Because even though He has sent us, He's given us His Spirit, and we have it, and we get to experience fellowship with our fellow believers, we are still living in an age where God's kingdom is here, but it's not yet here fully. And so we fast because we long for the day where Jesus comes back and He uh, fixes everything. Where like all the pain, all the injustice, all the uh, human trafficking, or all the you know tribal conflicts—all these things will um, disappear. Will like be fixed by Jesus? Where He's gonna um, fix everything? So we fast because we have like this dissatisfied contentment in Jesus. Yes.
2: I would almost compare it to sort of, uh, you know that you have a really big, really good meal coming up, and you decide, I'm not going to eat lunch today, because, and I'm not as, I'm, our regular, our daily food is not the same as fun for Christ, but, you know, we know we have something really good coming, so let me sit and think about that, or him, while I wait. So that might be a yeah, I
1: like that that metaphor, because in a certain sense, you really stuck yourself at lunch before the buffet, at dinner, yeah, you 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 sort of said, ah, you're you're satisfied in the poultry lunch, and you sort of you don't have as much of an appetite for the real thing, which is the buffet dinner, you know, uh, the extravaganza. <laughs> and so, I, I, I wonder then, like, when we enjoy the good things in this life too much, we're like taking away from our future joy. right?
0: so is it like so the physical um, like the physical component of like the hunger that we feel like physical hunger is it to
1: focus us or is it to maybe give us a taste of the hunger that
0: we should feel for oh we're gonna gonna talk about that in the next very next point good uh, segue (laughs) we we talked about that a little bit earlier Okay, so are there any questions about this, like, paradigm versus the old versus the new, how Jesus is the and why that? Oh.
1: What about, you said one of the purposes of fasting is to express sorrow for sin. Mm-hmm.
0: We still have that element. Yes. Um, <laughs> another quick question. Yeah, so, like, again, like, until, like, when the fullness of Jesus comes, like, when we see him perfectly, when the veil is covered, we will no longer, like, sin, We'll like, see Him fully, and we'll be able to worship Him fully without, like, all these, uh, without the sinful nature, like, you know, trying to like, draw us away from Jesus. But until then, until the fullness of that time comes, like, we still live in a place where we see the effects of both righteousness, but also the effects of sin. And so, because of that, we um, are fasting both for sorrow and for like hope that God will come and rescue us. So the next point, fasting in the end times. I use the end times, you know, that word very broadly because Jesus says, um, I don't know when, never mind, we don't talk about that. Um, So point number one. Basically, we are in the end times. We are in the end times. We are in the times. The end times. Any questions? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Point number one. Why should we fast? So, wait, can you ask your question one more time?
1: So, what what about this, uh, my question was what about the physical component of fasting? Because, like, it would cause hunger, like the pains of hunger. Mm -hmm. So, what is that, what's the point of that?
0: So, I think the the one, so I have, like, a couple reasons, but the first reason is because of what uh, Nancy and Michael were talking about, about how, like, we love Jesus. We wait for this, like, buffet at dinner to come. We are waiting for this great feasting to come about so we because we love Jesus there's like this hunger that comes there's like an ache inside of us um, that even though again we have the spirit uh, we long for Jesus to be here more fully more intimately more powerfully more gloriously and so because of that we're fasting because we're like waiting for that like day and so we're not like I don't know uh, eating like feeding on feasting on like these little snacks Uh, but to answer your question this another reason why we fast it's not simply because we love Jesus, but because we want to love Jesus more. And so, the thing, the things that have the most potential to draw us away from God is not, like, poison, but apple pie, right? The things that have, like, the most potential to draw us away from God is not, like, His enemies, but the gifts of God. And so, the reason why we fast, not from, like, we don't fast from, like, you know, reading the Bible or praying or, you know sinning, right? We don't fast from that. We we fast legitimate pleasures, right? Like, things like food, or TV, or you know, the other word. Um, so we fast, we fast those things because um, we don't want those, uh, the gifts to draw us away from God. We, there's like, there's a risk that um, the gifts can become Id- idols. And so when you fast, it'll reveal what's in the heart. Like, what do you long for more? What do you trust in more? Do you trust in Bread more, or do you trust in God more? It's easy to think that we love Jesus when, you know, we're gorging ourselves when we're like uh, feeding ourselves on all the pleasures of the world. But once you like start taking those things away, then like, it's like the rubber meets the road. Like, where do you really, um, I don't know, place your love, or what do you really long for?
2: I think too, our physical needs tend to scream at us that they're the first priority, and fasting. Um, you know, usually you do it for a set period of time and you're not going (laughs) to die. But in a sense, I mean, and, and this is one sense where I think I definitely agree with what you said about Christ and why he fasted, but there's a sense in where it's a small thing, but it very well could be training us to say no to our physical screaming, you know, feed me, you know, and then Jesus had to face the ultimate. Uh, test was you know, he could scream, get me off this cross, or he could get himself off the cross, but he didn't let his physical needs, desires, wants trump the ultimate prize. So I think that's one way to personally grow from fasting is saying, you know, I'm this is temporary, and there's something much greater, and we can face greater suffering than being hungry. One day, and will we, will we face? Have we practiced? In other words, like fasting is sort of, to me, I, I would consider it. For personally, I would consider it practice for future suffering that I may have to endure.
0: Your body will scream at you. There. Okay.
1: That text that the man alluded to earlier in Matthew chapter four Jesus' temptation think about fasting for 40 days. I think after four days, I would turn a rock into like this big pizza. (laughs) You know, (laughs) at 40 days, I just kind of go, I don't know if I could do that. But what it came down to, I mean, that was one of the points of the test is, what ultimately has dominion? What, who, and what is in control? And where I work, I'm going through the holidays, it's like every 10 feet, there are like donuts and baklava, <laughs> and there's just, it's everywhere. It's, just, it's oozing out of the walls. People come up, here's a box, a two pound box. I see it coming. It's not like you, like you work for Willy Wonka. And it is. <laughs> serious. It is ridiculous. And so the whole time I'm going around and you smell it. And a lot of it's home made. Anyway. So, <laughs> I'm going down the hallway, and I have like a real slow metabolism, I got to work out all the time just to stay where I'm at. I'm going, okay, who's ultimately in control? Who's ultimately in control? What, you know, is it, uh, is it, this thing's going, <coughs> me, me, <coughs> me, me, or is it, you know, or is it the spirit? So, no, I'm not, I'm not going to, don't eat the donut, don't eat the don't eat the broccoli. I love popcorn. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. And it's, uh, it made me think of in Philippians chapter three, it talks about those who are uh, the end of destruction. It says that uh, their belly is their god. And so I, and I think I, if I try to understand Jesus' temptation, and then what ultimately it takes dominion, you know, what ultimately is God? It comes down to you know, is it the baklava or is it? And, and and then there's this guy I work with. He eats tons of this stuff and doesn't gain a pound. I, don't know, I hate you. <laughs> I can't eat any of that stuff without putting on. But I think that's I think that's a major component of it. It's who ultimately do we wor worship? For serve Is it our belly,
0: or our God? And then when you're like when your belly isn't screaming at you, when you're not starving it, then you know it's easy to fool ourselves into thinking that we you know do love God. You know, of course I worship God only. But, but um, yeah, when you take away some of those components or those elements. Um, it'll reveal what the heart really desires and longs for. So you're kind of like, you're kind of like in fast You're saying like you want Jesus more than you want food.
2: Mm-hmm. So That's a hard one to convince
0: yourself. <laughs> 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 yes, I think it's both, right? Like we because we want Jesus more than we want food, and because <laughs> because there's a danger of not wanting Jesus as much as we want food, and so we starve ourselves of you know, those whatever might uh, take us away from that. And just really quickly, the last point about another reason why we should fast is because Jesus fasted, right? Like, if Jesus fasted, if He prayed, what about us? Can we really go through life? Can we really go through all these uh, dangers and hazards of life and ministry without walking with Jesus through the wilderness of fasting? Are we you know, that much greater or stronger than he that we can do without this gift or this discipline, this uh, handmade of faith. Um, Any questions or thoughts? We only have a couple minutes. I'm just going to...
2: Yes. In 40 days, a real human would have died, but in the desert, Moses was so fueled by God's presence over
0: there in the desert. Yes. Yeah, if you read what he's, that passage earlier from Deuteronomy, it says he ne- he neither drank food nor water. Like I can't, even, I think it's like I think you'll die if you go without water even for like a couple days. This is like in the desert in Mount Sinai. Like he's like hiking, and he's like, anyway. So yes, God God sustains right. Like what do you trust in more? Like bread's ability to sustain you or God's ability to sustain you? Um, so some dangers of fasting. Just two points, real quick. Um, the first is spiritual pride. Winnie, can you read the passage in Matthew?
2: And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father
1: who sees your secret will reward you
0: right and so this is talking primarily about motives right like what when you fast like what is it that you're really looking for it's not like as if like you're fasting and you're trying to keep a secret and then somebody finds out you're fasting and then God is like oh somebody found out no more reward for you you failed right like Jesus talks about like when we pray go into the closet go into the secret place and pray and then he'll reward you right but then that doesn't keep us from praying publicly or corporately together and I don't think I think sometimes like we have like this i don't know fear that like we can't if we fast we have to like keep it like so secretive that we have to like lock ourselves in our room that nobody can find out. But I think there's something about like even like uh fasting corporately in the Old Testament that happened all the time or fasting together and praying for one another uh, rather than like keeping that keeping letting that keep you from fasting so but yeah, the motives right like what is it that you're really longing for, and then secondly. Uh, false assurance. Ada, can you read that passage in Colossians? Okay. <coughs> in the
2: praise of the elements of the world, why is world he was still alive in the world to use to make the
0: do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that are perish as they are used according to human prayer. For it says,
2: in teaching, indeed, in the parents a worship of promoting self-made glory and
0: beauty, asceticism, and service to the body, and they are no but value in the stuffing in the embalming of the flesh. Great, thank you. And so, one of the dangers, another danger of fasting, is that we'll begin to think that, like, oh man, look at me, I'm, I'm so cool, I'm like I can fast, but. <laughs> But uh, Paul he says to the Colossians that these uh, asceticism, like this, like living without, like a lot of the, um, I don't know, earthly pleasures, uh, stripping yourselves of those things, severity to the body, um, they are no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. It's not as if like, if you start like fasting them, all of a sudden God will like really look down on you and really like love you and stuff like that. This isn't a willpower religion, right? The reason we fast is not to earn God's pleasure, but because we've already tasted it. Because we've already experienced part of it, and because we want more of it, or the fullness of it, um, we fast from the, the, the things of this world so that we can focus, so that we can enjoy and feast on the, the spiritual truths and, and uh, presented in the gospel and in Jesus and all those good things. So any questions, thoughts about dangers or anything that we've discussed, covered so far? So you guys are going to go fast, right? (laughs) Eat breakfast and then you'll be fast. No. Um, Well, great. Let me pray for us. And then we'll head to service. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can come to your word and and remember this command that you've given to your disciples. We pray that we would not neglect this uh, spiritual discipline, but that we would... That we would practice it, that we would engage in it, so that we can grow to learn, uh, grow to love you more, so that we can grow to uh, desire you more above the the desires of this world, above the pleasures of this world. So we thank you for this gift that you've given to us, and we pray that, yeah, that we would walk in it. In your name we pray. Amen.